I'm Evan Smith of the Texas Tribune, and this is Point of Order, a podcast about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the people and politics and traditions of the 86th Texas Legislature. This week, Kumbaya Endgame. Well, it was fun while it lasted. The House and Senate, Democrats and Republicans, the Speaker and Lieutenant Governor and Governor, mostly on the same page, singing from the same hymnal. An impressive show of maturity and public spiritedness, the absence of power plays and partisan BS, a noteworthy shift toward bipartisan, bicameral, well, whatever the opposite of dysfunction is. And then we came inevitably to the last week of the session. To be fair to our friends in the pink building, they've held it together for an impressive amount of time. Budget on track, property tax reform on track, school finance reform mostly on track not without bumps and potholes along the way. But while there are still a few days to go, pretty much the whole must-pass agenda will pass or should pass in a form resembling what was outlined back before they gaveled in in January. But the much-commented-upon absence of sharp objects on the table turned out to be a combination of wishful thinking and willful denial. No bathroom bill but a Chick-fil-A bill that put the LGBTQ community at DEFCON 1. No Alabama-style abortion ban, but a targeting of Planned Parenthood that could severely limit access to the procedure and to those who perform it, as well as to basic non-reproductive health services. The truth is that every legislature has its fights, and the parties believe what the parties believe, even after what you might call a chin-music election. This is not exactly a radical concept. Wow, Republicans and Democrats disagree. The upper and lower chambers snipe at each other. News at 11. But we heard so much for so long about a turning of the page from the bad old days of the 85th session, how this time was different, how Dennis Bonin and Dan Patrick and the R's and the D's were practically holding hands and skipping through the daisies that snark from the dais, tears at the front mic, and the heralding of a cataclysmic culture war apocalypse, however, biennially familiar and journalistically overblown, has been bracing. This week's guests are two House members at the center of the brawls, but they remain cheerful enough, maybe because the end is near. State Representative Matt Kraus, Republican of Fort Worth, was the House sponsor of Senate Bill 1978, the religious liberty bill that turned out to be as much about chicken as church. State Representative Ina Minharis, a San Antonio Democrat, was on the front lines in battling against that legislation as well as Senate Bill 22, which would bar local governments from partnering with abortion providers and their affiliates. Despite a crowded calendar in the run-up to Sine Die, they made time to talk to me on the morning of May 22nd, day 135 of the 104th. Point of Order is supported by the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute. Our vision is for Texas to be the national leader in treating people with mental health needs. More at texasstateofmind.org. And by Lone Star College. Learn why over 99,000 students choose Lone Star College for affordable access to high-quality higher education. Nationally recognized, globally connected, locally focused. Visit lonestar.edu and Texas State Technical College, the solution to the skills gap in Texas. Find out more at tstc.edu slash 86th session.
So you don't seem to hate each other? No. <laughs> not at all. No? Even this far into a session? You're not like, no. oh, get, get, get him out of here, get her out of here? No, no, even our staffs are good friends. Everybody That's gets along. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's don't hate the player, hate the game, Representative Krauss. You're an yeah. athlete. That's right. I, I, I think that's it. I, and Representative Minhares, uh, obviously from San Antonio, that's where I grew up. So we have that bond, which helps us uh, and, and others. But you're exactly right. Even even yesterday, you would see on issues, it would be contentious for a while between individuals. But after that issue moves on, then you're right back working together on other issues. And so uh, it's just kind of the flow of, of, of the game, as you said. And, uh, and, and I think we've actually done a pretty good job this session in the House of yes. keeping it that way. Representative Benhars, this is the this is the part that I think all of us on the outside, even those of us who pay close attention to the session and to the legislature, don't fully appreciate. The stuff that we see publicly where you're mad about stuff, where you oppose bills, there's all the part that we don't see where right. you're in the back trying to work together. You may disagree on some percentage, but it's a lower percentage. You have to work together. Yes. It's a pragmatic thing. Right, you, you can't, right. you can't, and that's what I've learned. When you, you come into the house, you come into this bubble and you're working on policy, you've got so much to, to work on, you've got a lot to agree on, you've got a lot to disagree on, but at the end of the day, when you disagree, you've got to move on. It's always a different issue, it's always a different fight, but we have to work together. That's the only way that this works, is, is working together. We may not like each other, but we gotta work together. <laughs> but, you, but you do like each other. We do, it's, we do. We do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But in the kind of royal you sense, not liking each other, there are definitely people in the building. That, you know, I right. ask you to name names, you probably wouldn't. Uh, right. <laughs> right. But there are, probably, there are probably people in the building who you don't like. There may even be some Democrats you don't particularly like. And Representative yeah. Krauss, same thing with you. I mean, but that's what I was going to say. It's yeah. not always across the aisle where yeah. those relationships are strained. It's within the party too, and you still have to figure out ways to work together uh, for 140 days. That's right. right. Has this session? You've both been in the legislation now for a few sessions. Has this session been as far as how people have interacted? Representative Minhara has gotten along, I, worked I, together, yeah. better or worse than most. I think it's been better. I think the speaker did a great job in really encouraging us to to work together, to communicate together. When we ha I, we've gone to meetings with him, his first question is, well, have you talked to the other side? Uh, when you talk, come back to me and let me see what I can do to help facilitate an agreement. But it's important. We have to have communication with each other. We spend, what, 140 days together. You've got to have communication. If you don't have that, then you know, you're not going to accomplish much. Okay. How much of that represent? You agree, Representative Krause. Absolutely, it's, it's been a relatively harmonious session. The discussion at the beginning was it's going to be kumbaya. Everyone's going to get along. There are political reasons coming out of the last election why it's important for people to get along because the voters said essentially cut the crap. We want you guys to do the business of the state. Don't get into unnecessary fights. Don't spend time on necessary legislation. So you all have kind of, as a practical matter, had to get along better. And that has pretty much been what's happened. Yeah, and, and I think, it, as Representative Minhar said, I think the Speaker deserves a lot of credit for that because at the outset, one of the reasons that I supported him from the beginning is he said he was going to give everybody a voice in the process. And I think he's done that. It doesn't matter whether you're the far right, the far left, anybody in between. You've had a voice in the process, and when you can communicate throughout the whole thing, I think that makes it better. And we've also been focused on huge, big ticket items from the outset of the session, and those are bipartisan issues. Those are something that we may have different avenues of getting to the same goal, but it's all the same goal to uh, property tax reform and school finance reform, and I think that's helped as we've tried to stay together to do those big-ticket things. So as we sit here, Representative Krauss, on Wednesday, uh, May 22nd, five days left in the session, um, 
School finance is not done. Property tax reform is not done. The budget is not done. Now, they're in different stages of not done, right? That's the right. budget mm-hmm. conference, they've pretty much landed the plane safely. They just haven't exited the plane. That's right. They've landed the plane. Uh, property tax reform, foregone conclusion, you were not for it, Representative Menharis. You were for it, Representative Krauss. Um, I'm, I'm moved to think that if Representative Menharis could go back in time and get uh, 6% or 4% yes. or 5% right. from the last session, <laughs> right. seems like a pretty good deal. Yes. Um, uh, but it's going to get done. It looks yeah. like that's going to get done. Um, right. I'm hearing that the education bill may be a little bit less far along, that there are still some sticking points in conference. Is that what you're hearing? That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. That it may be about current year versus prior year values, Mm -hmm. uh, about the formula, um, about the teacher pay differences between the House and the Senate. I mean, you guys have to get this done, don't you? Yeah, we do need to get it done, and that's my concern is we're already this late in the game, and there's no agreement yet. Right. Are you worried, really worried, or are you pretend worried? No, I'm really worried. You're legitimately worried. I'm, yeah, I'm Are worried. you legitimately worried, Representative Krauss? No. You're I'm always a, so cheerful I'm about everything. He full kind of he guy is, and there's positive. nothing in the glass. So maybe I'm naive, <laughs> but... smiley always. That's but, right. Uh, yeah. What, you know, what do you think? I, I think the sine die always kind of forces you to get even a little bit more intentional about working things out. And it's then a the, focusing moment. That's right. And then right. the prospect of a special session is, focuses it even more on all sides. And so I, I really feel like we're going to get it done. We made so much progress. I think uh, Representative Huberty and Senator Taylor work pretty well together, and I think they're going to be able to hammer out an agreement we can all get behind and vote for, like we did in the House on HB3. Right. Well, we're not going to – I can hit yeah. send on my home away reservation for San Miguel <laughs> this July and not be concerned. You that can. Yes. You may regret it later, but you can. Right. Yeah. Sure. Well, yeah. Fortunately, but I don't we'll, think we'll you will. probably stream the special session, um, <laughs> uh, and I can just watch it from there. Uh, uh, let me go back to this. I mentioned the election, and the election as a framing uh, a piece of all this. Uh, the theory, Representative Menharis, was that the message from the voters in November was – Stick to the meat and potatoes business of the state. Right. <clears throat> avoid avoid fights. Um, do what we sent you there to do. Right. Act like a part-time legislature. Mm-hmm. Get out at the end of May, and and then you know, p- period. Right? right. That's it. That was the message you took. Yes. And that and this legislature has reflected that by law. I, I agree. Yeah. Yes. Sure. The, the a limited number of sharp objects on the table. Not no sharp objects. Not no things that have been controversial or have divided uh, members of the House from one another? Mm, we've had some. Some, but some, not, but right. not, you know, we did not see a return of the bathroom legislation. Right. We did not right. see a return of vouchers. Right. Uh, we did not reopen the conversation around sanctuary cities. There was not an enormous amount of legislation related to immigration or other subjects that kind of were attendant to the sanctuary cities conversation. That's now, right. we did have a voting rights conversation briefly. It appears that conversation has mm. come to an end. Um, we had a conversation around paid sick leave that uh, ultimately I can't believe you guys, Representative Krauss, you play basketball, right? Yeah. This is the biggest missed layup I've ever seen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and it's a huge missed opportunity. Think yeah. about what you thought you were going to do. You guys hate cities. I mean, you could have gotten the lobby <laughs> provision, the no municipal taxpayer funded lobbying, another missed layup. 
Well, just to, for the record, I love my cities, and I love working yes. with them. Now, we might have disagreements and differences on who steps into which policy. You guys but with cities are like all of us with Congress. We love our <laughs> congressmen. We hate Congress. Yeah, that's right? right. Oh, I love my city. I just don't like anybody else's cities. No. <laughs> but, 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 but the question of, of local control, and in particular the influence of taxpayer-funded lobbyists in some of these debates, was something that, I would have thought stepping back from this legislature, you certainly have enough votes. The mood of the legislature over the last several sessions has been enough that on that issue and on the paid sick leave issue, both I would have imagined that you guys would have would well, have been able to get the job done. And taxpayer-funded lobbying, I believe, polls at 91%. So that's across uh, partisan lines. That's across ideological lines. So you're right. I, I thought we were going to get something done on So there were some there. things that you were unhappy didn't happen. Sure. I, I think at right. the end of every session, there's missed opportunities that right. you wish you would have gotten to. And in your case, Representative Minharis, there were some things that did happen that you were unhappy did happen. Sure. And here I want you to turn completely, pivot absolutely, and look directly at Representative Krause and talk <laughs> about chicken. Yeah. Oh, um, chicken. Yeah. Um, and Chick-fil-A. the fact is that the yeah. Chick-fil-A legislation and the, um, the legislation that uh, SB 22 that caused uh, uh, cities to have to now uh, not be able to make deals with abortion providers, right? right? Mm-hmm. Those were two things that probably fall, from your perspective, into the sharp objects category. Definitely, Right, yes. Oppose both of those. Yes. Um, uh, maybe we should talk about those for a moment, because uh, I'm interested to hear how, again, this, this conversation is in part about how you all find ways to get along and work together, even at moments when you aren't in the same place, and it kind of gets hairy. And of the last week or so, the two hairiest moments, really leaving Bonin and Stickland out of it, <laughs> or the Bonins, Bonin's <laughs> plural. Yes. Every Bonin yeah. and one Stickland. Uh, the two hairy moments have really been those, the kind of moments that in previous sessions might have actually blown everything up, although, again, here you are yeah. sitting pleasantly and respectfully next to one another. Um, what's wrong with Representative Krause's religious liberty bill? Well, when you look at the, so a couple of things, and I have a different perspective, because again, I I am from San Antonio, and uh, when I look at the prior session, I recall, it seemed that Austin was getting the brunt of, or taking the hits from the governor, and it seems this session, it's San Antonio, so we tend to be in the the limelight. And I think what's, a couple of things, Evan, you gotta take in consideration, there's a very contentious, very contentious mayoral race going on in, in San Antonio. And this has played into that mayoral race. Um, and, I, and I look at, and I, I sit back and wonder, how did we get here? Because my understanding, these bills were filed before this Chick-fil-A incident happened mm-hmm. at city council. And yet, the bill was, became entitled this Chick-fil-A bill. And, and so... Well, the politics of Chick-fil-A right. are a lot less complicated than the politics of religious liberty. Right. If you had a religious right. liberty bill and all of a sudden delicious chicken nuggets materialized right. in front of you, you'd take it, <laughs> right? wouldn't you? Yeah. And so, and I think a lot of it is, is the people back home, a majority of them, it's more of, I don't think they're, they're thinking of the policy. It's, we love Chick-fil-A. How dare someone come at Chick-fil-A? Okay? And we almost don't care what else is in this bill. <laughs> right. And the branding of it allows people who might not have otherwise. That's right. That's right. What, you asked how this got here. Yes. Wasn't this a complete self-own, as teenagers would say, on the part of the city of San Antonio? Well, you know, I, I can't speak for, for the city of San Antonio. You know, one, one councilman, uh, is he's the one that, that made this an issue. And, and, and not, again, I'm going by what I read in the, in the media because I'm not there. Um, there was a process in terms of when they were making the selection of what, what restaurants were going to go into 
into the airport, and apparently there was a request that a restaurant be open seven days a week. And, and so it just, to me, it's just become, it became a mess. Um, but it became, it became a sounding board, I think. And the question was, it was whether it was avoidable. Right. I mean, in the same was way, it avoidable? Right, Representative Krauss, in the same way that when the city of Austin passed the bill mandating or the, the ordinance mandating paid sick leave right. uh, to be provided by private businesses, people said, oh, my God. You I mean, even Representative Celia Israel and the you know, Democrat who is open to the idea of wanting to provide more to employees of businesses yes. said, this is the wrong way to handle. She said yeah. at the time, right. this is the wrong way to handle this. And San Antonio followed behind. Mm -hmm. Dallas has since followed behind. You kind of, at th those moments, you go, all you're doing is poking the bear with a stick. Right. That's and right. on right. the Chick-fil-A thing, Representative Krauss, same. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and as Representative Minhar said, I had actually filed the same bill last session, way before any of this happened. I filed it again this session, and so people said, "How did we get to this point?" And it was kind of interesting to me. I thought we were actually working in good faith to narrow and focus the bill on an issue that was before the state and in the state consciousness. And so you're like, "Why do we need this bill?" That's a question you hear a lot. Well, this is why we need this because of what's going on in San Antonio. And I don't want to bash San Antonio because I love that city and that's where I'm from. It pains me to do that. But that's where the fact pattern was. And so uh, it's funny. Everybody says, why'd you just make it about Chick-fil-A? It, was, it, it wasn't about that. But we thought to make it about a real-world uh, consequence that was happening that was actually strengthening or, or narrowing it to ensure we were doing something so people didn't just say, why are you doing this You want no the reason. legislation to be relatable, and you want more people out in the world to understand how they are impacted or how right. they might and so you're not just looking as taking place. a cheap right. shot or doing something that's not going to have an impact so do i'm asking this question flatly and sincerely do we have a religious liberty problem really in this country or in the state that needs fixing well i would say based on what's happened in the last couple of weeks there are still some deficiencies uh, when a city council can tell a private organization we're not going to do business with you because you happen to support or donate to groups like the Salvation Army that we don't agree with or feel uh, is not in line with our values. I, I think that's dangerous, as I had in my layout the other day when the uh, fire chief in Atlanta got fired just for uh, something about a Sunday school or a, uh, a Bible study manual that they had at their church. I think people see that and they're like, whoa, 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 we should never, we should never even cross those lines. So I think it's okay to be proactive sometime and strengthen and reinforce those uh, constitutional rights, and that's what we're trying to do here uh, with Senate Bill. 1978. But the opposition representative Minharis to this bill had nothing to do with the YMCA. It was the YMCA? Salvation Army. Probably Salvation Army or the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Athletes. Right. It, it was cast by opponents, including right. you, as something else. Well, I, I worry, and this is my perspective, that um, you know you can take policy and, and, and cause some unintended consequences. You open the door, and I, and I worry, as a woman of faith, and I have incredible faith, <clears throat> You know, I was brought up not being judgmental. What I worry about is that this is giving someone an opportunity to, to use religious liberty as a form to legally discriminate. And that is what I really, that's my concern that this bill is going to open up the door to really bad policy. How specifically would this bill enable discrimination, specifically? Well, you know, any... Not theoretically. Well, here, here's, here's an example. You know, there was a Senate bill filed that I believe by Senator Perry, who, you know, I, I, I work with, I respect, but, you know, in terms of, you know, if you are a licensed doctor, SB a licensed... Yes, right. that says, well, because of my religious beliefs, I, I shouldn't have to treat you. I mean, that, that is a very... Da that's, da that's dangerous. So that, that's an example of what I worry about, of, of how this could snowball. Right. Now, that legislation was referred to state affairs, I believe, on April 2nd and got nowhere. Right. 
you had the paid sick leave bill, which similarly came over from the Senate or the series of, it was sort of broken up into pieces, right? So yeah. that comes over yes. to the Senate, from the Senate to the House. And Chairman Phelan, who is no one's idea of a liberal, <laughs> stands up and says, I find the fact that the non-discrimination language was stripped from this to be problematic. Right. It's 2019, he said to me, you know, we should stop bashing the gay community. We, this is ridiculous. I'm reinserting the language. He reinserts the language and he says at the time, if this legislation were to go to conference and come back with that language stripped, I would be forced to oppose it. So basically paid sick leave goes down, right. Representative Krauss, on this question of non-discrimination. The Charles Perry bill got absolutely no traction in the House when it came over on the non-discrimination stuff. Do you have a problem mm -hmm. with what Representative Minharis is alluding to? I mean, clearly this is a present topic of conversation in this legislature. Yeah, and I guess that is probably what was most disappointing to me how all this played out on Senate Bill 1978 and its forerunner, House Bill 3172, is we worked in good faith with a bunch of folks to say, okay, we, we get the concerns on Senate Bill 17, we get to the uh, concerns on the drafted version, the filed version of 3172. Let's, let's figure out a way uh, to work together and come up with language that ensures there's no discriminatory intent or language right. or effect in there. And we did that and we came up with that. And then you still have all those charges of discrimination and hate uh so you thought you'd so, met you thought you'd met the threshold that opponents had had set to, to say if your intent if the intent of this bill is not to discriminate they said then you need to do these things in the bill to ensure that your intent is realized when the bill actually happens again back to representative harris's point about unintended consequences that I, I think you look at the language of the bill there's no discrimination in there you look at the like you said you have to go through some far-reaching hypotheticals to even get how it could happen in right. this bill. But we know that what's happening in, in the real world, this fits it perfectly, and that and, and it protects everybody. That's what I keep talking There's no definitions in there. There's no exclusions. There's no carve-outs. It's for Chick-fil-A or Ben & Jerry's. It does not matter. It protects you the so same way. So once the members of the LGBTQ caucus were unsuccessful, finally, in, in killing this bill on uh, procedural motions, um, there were things that they wanted to see amended uh, that they believe would have kind of doubled down or tripled down on the idea that the intent of this bill was not to discriminate. Yes. You were comfortable with some things, you were not comfortable with other things. Well, I, I would say even after they uh, killed the bill and then came back and said, we want more, and, and I said, okay. You know, yeah. uh, we took out the AG piece at the very end. A lot of right. people were- People uh, said that was actually a, a weakening of the original bill. Yes. Um, I might, uh, I disagree with that because I think the private cause of action is actually the more substantive strengthening part of that uh, where you can hold government accountable. You but know, the Democrats position on most legislation <laughs> is more Paxton is worse. <laughs> That's right. You know that. That's right. That's right. So yeah, you continue to work in good faith even after that. And so again, I, and I didn't hear anybody say in the debate the last couple of days pointing to actual language in the bill or an actual scenario in Texas where this could be used to discriminate. And so I think we actually Actually ended up with a really good bill. It's going to protect everybody, no matter what your belief, no matter what your ideology right. or who you are. It's going to protect them, and that's what we should do, and that should be our goal. Representative Harris, <clears throat> short of killing this bill, was there going to be any outcome you were going to be comfortable with? Could you have ever gotten to yes on this bill? I don't. I don't know. I, I think. Um you know, I, I, I applaud uh, my colleague here for, he did, he did work uh, with as many people as he could with stakeholders to try to make the bill better. But at the end of the day, I'm just very uncomfortable that I really believe that this is a catalyst for other possible legislation in the future that that is going to be uh, cause for grounds to 
legalize discrimination. And that's what right. worries me. So we mentioned that the paid sick leave bill ultimately was undone by uh, the degree to which not just Democrats but Republicans were concerned that it would ultimately open the door to discrimination. The occupational yes. licensing bill, same. Representative Israel and members of the LGBTQ caucus, which exists for the first time this session with five out members of the legislature, enough where with straight allies, there's actually kind of a critical mass of people who are much more active and animated on these issues, would say that this was actually a pretty good session, Representative Minhar is often yes. considered mm -hmm. in that. You moved issues from what would have been considered previously the fringe to the mainstream. You had a hearing for the uh, a conversion therapy right. bill. You had a hearing for uh, Chairman Coleman's uh, efforts to uh, uh, have uh, attacks against transgender Texans uh, L, uh, under the hate crime statute. You had a uh, Representative right. Farrar bill that was sort of in a similar, you had a bunch of things that this time got hearings. Now they were not gonna pass. Right. They didn't get an up or down vote on the floor, but it's a baby step in the direction of those. So, so that generally speaking, the Chick-fil-A bill, some might say Representative Krause would not, accepted. It wasn't a culture war session as it related to the portfolio of LGBTQ issues as it's going to end. Right. You, you agree? Right. You don't walk out of here thinking, you know, it's it's an apocalypse. No, I, I think I think it was it was what I appreciate about Celia Israel being able to have that hearing. All these all these ability now the bills weren't going to pass, but it it's am amazing what a public hearing will do, what the education it'll bring, not just to the public but to the members sitting on that committee, who have never really taken the time to understand an issue. Right. So I think I think this is an opportunity. I, What's incredible about this session, it really is, it, it's going into territory, I think, that we've never been able to go into before, yeah. and it's having these hard discussions, and, and it's it, about and it's time a, we did. And it's a pebble in the path in right. that there's another pebble next time and another pebble next right. time, and eventually you get there. Are you good with that? I, I, the one thing that I think in the past that has been a shame about the legislative process is that we haven't talked about issues. We haven't taken on maybe tough right. issues. Mm -hmm. Everybody in Texas in, in the House has elected 150 different people, 150 different backgrounds, 150 different perspectives. We need to have those conversations. And if you have an idea, if you have a, a belief, if you have an uh, issue you're passionate about, I, I do think that that should uh, at least be given a hearing. It's, it's not always going to pass. There's stuff of mine that I just got a hearing that I know wasn't going to pass, but it's right. good to be able to represent represent your district and represent your beliefs. And I'm, I'm okay having those discussions. We shouldn't be afraid of discussions, even the hard ones, because that's what we're sitting here to so, do. So just before we wrap on the Chick-fil-A stuff, you know, you do have now colleagues of yours, a couple from your part of the state, who are part of this LGBTQ caucus and believe that it's a new day and that the world that we're living in today not only enables conversations that we were not having before to take place, but effectively demands it. Are you comfortable with that? Knowing your, knowing your politics, knowing your faith, knowing your view of some of these issues, you accept and acknowledge that maybe the world is beginning to pivot a little bit in the direction of those conversations. Well, of course, and, and we should always be having conversations, whether whether there's more members uh, in the caucus next session or not, let's keep having those conversations. Uh, no matter what it is, again, I think it's very valuable when we have tough conversations down here because that... Uh, there's no reason not to have those. We should not be scared of tough conversations, big conversations. We should all be comfortable with coming down and having those conversations and see where people are. Re Representative Minhar is on the Planned Parenthood legislation. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting that the state of Alabama and other states went significantly farther this session on this issue than Texas oh, that's did. That's right. I would have imagined Texas would have taken its typical lead role 
on this issue. And in fact, there may be as many conservatives disappointed in the work of this legislature on abortion as there are liberals. Uh, there, were, there was concern with this, with this bill that it could have gotten to that point of an Alabama bill. You know, as we were... Was it openly discussed in the building that it, if, if we don't steer a, a sort of center course on this, center is a relative We term, ran the risk, right? right? We ran the risk um, that sometimes, unfortunately, when you have a bill that sometimes with amendments coming down the pipeline, um, the bill can get significantly worse. And that right. was a concern that if there is amendments that are germane, it could have evolved into something as, as strict as Alabama. This is a local control bill, or this is a women's health bill, or both, as far as you're both. concerned? It's both. <laughs> both. So, it, it, so the, the sort of local control piece of this is undone to a degree in a way that local control has been undone in the minds of some repeatedly right. over the last several sessions, in that here is the state telling municipalities what they can and cannot do. It's as straightforward as that. Right. That and then in terms of also it's affecting women's health because this right. bill had nothing to do with, with abortion. It was services that are provided, much needed services that are provided uh, to But to doesn't women. the bill caption call specifically, call abortion providers out specifically? It, it, it any, if they're abortion affiliated, but however right. some well, of these clinics, abortion, right, it has I mean, abortion yeah, in it, exactly. the word, no, but. No one's hiding the ball. Right, right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and again, in a state like Texas, at the moment, the idea that Planned Parenthood would be a target of legislation, while you may not and others may not like it, is no big shock. Right. It's it, right. every session it happens. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, yeah. Representative, I mean, I know where you come down on this. Um, you feel like this is good legislation and the right legislation. Yeah. And first of all, I'll say uh, Representative Noble, a freshman legislator, took this on. It was a it was a heavy lift, and I thought she did a great job. Um, but it and it almost goes back to. Regardless well, well, she of, took it on, and it's a heavy lift, and she did a great job. But in this legislature, in this state, with these politics, getting an abortion bill passed shouldn't be easier than getting paid sick leave undone. Right, well, and that's weirdly, right. And weirdly, I mean... I think the votes were always going to be there, but it's the process the right. process of getting through it and, and standing strong on it. I thought she did a really good job. Um, I do think, regardless of your position on the abortion issue, pro-life, pro-choice, what you are, I think you've seen a pretty broad support over the years for saying, okay, uh, let women have their decision, or we should be saving as many babies as possible, but don't use my taxpayer dollars to, to fund or uh, to assist that in any way. And I think that's what SB 22 was getting at, uh, you know, we're not going to have taxpayer dollars funding or subsidizing these procedures, no matter which side of the aisle you're on or which side of the, the issue you're on here. And I think that's a pretty common uh, in, in a, a pretty common uh, position among many people. The conversation around this issue and around Planned Parenthood and providers generally over the last several sessions, going all the way back to the 2013 session when Sen then-Senator Davis mm -hmm. uh, filibustered the bill famously, was that it was in part about reproductive rights or health or access, but in part it was about just health access. Because right. in a lot of communities, many of these same facilities provide basic health services. Mm -hmm. That, back to, again, That's Representative right. Harris's point about the law of unintended consequences. We have a state in which, for instance, we have closed the most rural hospitals of any in the last 10 years. There is an access to primary care, having nothing at all to do with abortion, question that comes up at moments like this. What is your view of that? Is that a fair thing for opponents of this legislation to bring up? Yeah, I, I think uh, anytime there's access to care issues, that those should always be taken seriously. Now, I will say that Texas, I think, has done a great job in the past uh, 
past decade or so of finding other ways to ensure women have access to health care apart from Planned Parenthood. Even on budget night, we talked about the alternatives to abortion program, put substantial amount of money. The final budget has a substantial more amount of money for those programs, which do exactly that. They give money to these facilities and to these places that help women uh, receive the health care they need without the abortion piece. And so I think Texas has actually done a really good job on that, and we're continuing to do a good job on that. So I don't think we're lacking any uh, access or ability for women to get access to care, health care, and we're only contributing to that with our other Texas Healthy Women's Program, alternatives to abortion. So I think we're, we're getting there on there. Representative Harsh, you've heard this for a while. State says, well, we're providing access. We're providing options. Oh, well, you can You're say it, but are you re- no, I'm not buying it because, number one, look at the actions of the Heidi group where they completely failed. They com- completely failed in what they were supposed to be doing. And in terms of the Texas Healthy Women's they Program, right, they received funding and, and, and weren't a lot, weren't putting the money where it needed to be done and not providing the services that were needed. So that that's what's, what's really concerning that the Texas Women's healthy women's program, you know, not enough providers. If they're providers on the list, they're not taking, they're not taking new patients. So uh, to say that, uh, that all these women are getting treatment and they have access to care, I, I think that's very misleading. So to me, what we've done is now we've taken away um, health care for, for women that, that really needed it, especially in the indigent populations, Texas. Can abortion as an issue or religious liberty as an issue be solved at a state capital, are, are these issues that can be resolved or solved politically, Representative Benhars? I sometimes think that we bring into the political realm things that people care very strongly about, but ultimately, they're issues that are never going to bring everybody together. Right. They're gonna be very complicated. They're always gonna come back. I just wonder if the realm of politics, I mean, these are almost more issues for the courts than for the capitals of our country. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about a conversation I had with uh, a Republican female colleague on the floor. I won't name her. Well, you don't have to name her, but there are so few <laughs> but, Republican right. women on so the floor. Right, so you can, you can oh, take sorry. your pick. I'll just name them all now but you and can. blink twice for yes. <laughs> right, so you can you can pick which which one yeah. of, the, of the three or four. Right. Um, you know, we talked about wouldn't it be interesting if if the women of the House could sit down and actually handle this policy and negotiate and talk this policy and what we could get done because we're confident that we could actually have answers. As opposed to letting the entire House decide. Exactly. But, I mean, couldn't Representative Krauss make the same argument that let's just have people of faith decide these religious liberty issues? Yeah, well, and and to your broader point, I would say, you know, sometimes I think the state legislature, the state level, is the place to have these conversations. Uh, 1973 with Roe v. Wade, they thought that was the end of the conversation because it went to nine individuals at the Supreme Court, nine men uh, at the Supreme Court made that decision. They thought that was going to be the end, but it wasn't. It only actually inflamed the entire country to keep having these discussions 45, 46 years later. So sometimes when you keep it to that uh, state level, if you don't like what your state's doing, we've always said you've got the freedom to travel. You go somewhere else. Now, you don't have to, but that's always an option. When it's done uh, at Supreme Court or those federal court levels, then it's a blanket over the entire country, and that, I think, just continues to inflame the conversation. Right, but I'm not saying you personally. I'm yes. not going after you for yes. this. But isn't it almost always the case that you like the courts when they agree with you and you right. don't like the courts when they don't? I guarantee you if the Alabama case that makes its way up through, as apparently Governor Ivey intends and the legislature of Alabama intends for this to to be the ultimate result of this. If it gets to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade, you're going to be a lot more 
in favor of the courts deciding this stuff, aren't you? Well, I'm going to say they got it right that time because what the what would happen if that if that scenario were to play out is that it would go back to the states, and so it would it wouldn't as far as I'm aware and what I could tell from where the justice would go, I don't think they would ever at the federal level do an outright ban on abortion, but they may say we're going to go back to the pre 1973 framework where it was state. Uh, and that's a more federal system. Do you wish, Representative Krause, that Texas had gone all Alabama on this issue during this session? Or are you with Pat Robertson thinking that even Alabama, when Pat Robertson says something went too far? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. That's right. right. Well, How often have we seen that? Well, I, I do think it's interesting that, that as, as Representative Minhar said, we, we need to have uh, women's voices heard on this issue. And it was a woman governor who signed this bill. And so for everybody attacking individuals saying they shouldn't have a voice, then to come back and say, well, the governor of Alabama, who is a woman, should not have a voice either. To me, that that's a little disingenuous. And so um, I, I think we have to be very careful about that. So um, I, it, I'm... Pro, being pro-life, that's one of the animating causes of why I got into the legislature in the first place. I do wish we had gone further than what we've done so far in this legislative you, session. But I, I guess I didn't hear you answer the question directly. Do you wish that we had done the Alabama legislation here? Well, and and I haven't seen the entire Alabama legislation. I, I did it. Uh, did it criminalize the woman? I think it criminalized the doctor, didn't it? Didn't criminalized the doctor. It criminalized the but doctor, not the woman. I, I'm much I mean, it was more, effectively an outright yeah. ban. You know, is yeah, what it was. that's right. Well, and and we had that discussion in one of my committees. Uh, Would you this criminalize uh, uh, the doctor if you? Had I, I would druthers? be okay with that. I feel like they have the knowledge and understanding that 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 is a lie. Would you that criminalize that, the woman? I, I would not. You would not. No. Do you worry that this is only the beginning? That next session come back, depending upon how the elections go. Yes, always. Yeah. <laughs> when I talk about you know legislation and how it evolves right. and there's unintended consequences, this is always a concern that I have. Uh, Let's step back from these two issues and let's talk more generally because, you know, people are saying, oh, the culture war has now visited itself upon the legislature in the last week. I mean, it, these two things seem to my mind at least to be the exceptions. This has not really been a culture war session. We're no. About that, no, right? no, not at all. We've been pretty productive. I yes think. or no, the parties have gotten along this session better than in previous sessions. In my opinion, they have. Yes. Yeah, in my opinion, they have, yeah. Have you gotten along better internally? I mean, Democrats don't really fight with Democrats. I mean, maybe Ryan Guillen. You know, you don't always <laughs> fight with everybody, but... Um, but basically, Democrats are more or less unified. Uh, I think to well, no, I think to an extent. I think uh, uh, there's a new uh, class of freshmen. I think that are getting their feet wet and, and trying to figure out how how the process works. Well, you know, we talk about how Texas is not like Washington and how that's a good thing. I have yeah. to say that as I look at Jessica Gonzalez and I look at Aaron she's, Weiner, she's incredible. Yeah, and I look at uh, some of these other folks. I think well, they're kind of our AOCs and our Rashida Tlaibs in the sense mm-hmm. that they're. They're pissed, they're impatient, and I don't mean either of those things as a pejorative. I right. mean, yeah. they're angry and they want progress or action, and they're willing to press not only the other party, but they're willing to press people who maybe have ossified in their seats for many years for the party to move more quickly on Yeah, I, I think there's several of those freshmen that, that stand out. Uh, Jessica Gonzalez, Aaron Zwiener, uh, Julie Johnson. Julie Johnson, uh, You know, right? they, but that... It, the bane it, of your existence right. for about five minutes, Representative Krause? <laughs> Maybe for five minutes, but we actually get along really well, and I've really enjoyed getting yeah. to know her this so session. So that, that's the thing is that, you know, they're vocal, they're, they they know strategy, but they know they're, they're, they know how to go about it. So they're, they're, they're learning the process, they're vocal, but they're figuring things out. Yeah, well, they're definitely the freshman. This is a, a, a not every freshman class is a, is a, a present, physically and existentially present freshman class. Right. This is a present freshman class. It is. On your side. And, you know, Representative Cross, I'd say that the Republican Party, more than the Democratic Party, over the last couple of sessions, 
has been at a little bit of an internal snit with itself. And you all seem to have largely, cough, cough, except for Representative Stickland, cough, cough, <laughs> largely have avoided that. Yeah, and, right? and again, I think that's because we've been focused on big-ticket items. You, you look at the debate on SB2, it was pretty much the same people voting to table amendments or to vote for the bill the entire way through stuck together on that. HB3 was pretty much the exact same way. Only so no vote on the education bill was... Representative Stickler. Representative Stickler. That's exactly yeah, even right. The, the freedom, Budget was unanimous. That's right. Yes, the but, Freedom Caucus this session has been a lot more engaged, and I think that's because they've been given we we've right. been given opportunities to participate in the process, which yes. I think is really. Well, in fact, you so. said to me before the session that you believe that again, as a member of the Freedom Caucus, who was early on the Bonin train, mm -hmm. when not everybody was on the Bonin train. That's right. Initially, I think you were second. I think Leach was first before he pulled the ripcord on the Freedom Caucus, and then you were second, I think, among the Freedom Caucus members. You said, look, I think we're going to get an opportunity to be in conversation with the Speaker to get committee assignments that are reflective of how we want to serve our districts, and we're going to be able to have our bills given fair treatment. You said that at the beginning, and as you now look back from the end of the session vantage point, you feel that that all happened. I do, and and I feel the Freedom Caucus has been no less effective. You haven't seen as much from the back mic, and it's not as it's not as much in your face, but uh, our chairman, Mike Lang, Matt Schaefer, Matt Shaheen, uh, Mays Middleton on local and consent, you've had people throughout the entire session who have had to be able to have a hand in the process, and I think that's been very beneficial. Do you think, uh, Representative Minharis, that Bonin, Speaker Bonin has been good for the Democrats? I, I on, think on he balance? has. I think he has. You know, he, he put some, several Democrats in leadership and in, in, in chairmanships, um, and, and one thing I've always just really admired him for is is he does have an open door policy and mm -hmm. he he does listen now we may not always agree but he will take the time to listen to what we have to say and and, right. and take it to heart again back to representative israel she told me that she had a conversation with him early in the session in which she expressed her concern about some legislation related to lgbtq issues yes. and she felt like she was heard on the flip side of that representative Krause, i had members of the freedom caucus tell me i was never once in the speaker's office never one time during Speaker Strauss's tenure, and already I feel like I'm being listened to, invited in more by this speaker. So he's managed to straddle mm -hmm. and to do something that's quite remarkable, and that is to give Democrats an opportunity to feel that they've been heard and also the most conservative members. Yeah, and I think that's the mark of a good yeah. speaker, right? Uh, I think right. that's what he or she is there for, to manage the flow of the, uh, of the House, and right. if everybody has a voice, that helps that go What was said better. about the speaker before the session was um, he's not going to allow the Senate to get away with anything, where in previous sessions, and particularly the last session, the House sometimes felt institutionally like the Senate had the upper hand of the relationship. Speaker Bonin was going to be an institutionalist in the best sense of that word, a man of the House, he would have the, mem the the backs of members and of the institution. That seems to have also been the case. He's done a great job, but I think uh, along with that, he's also talked and communicated with the Senate, which we maybe haven't had as much uh, interaction when you agreed or disagreed. And so he's been very strong and very firm, but he's also talked and kept those lines of communication open, and I think that's really helped. Same? Yeah, he's same here, and I think he, he protects the House. He protects the integrity of the House, and he protects the members, and, and I agree with Representative Krauss that that's right. what he does, and he's not afraid. He's not afraid to tangle. That's right. <laughs> so it's, it's dangerous. <laughs> it's dangerous before the the last scene in the movie to assume that the serial killer is dead, yeah. right? Because we've all seen those <laughs> yes. movies, you know, peaceful shot of the lake before the credits roll, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> right. right? So we're five days out from Sonny Die, yeah. which means we're five days out from what we assume is the end of potential 
trouble, but there's a bunch of potential trouble on the road from now to there. Yeah, it's not it's not over till it's over. What That's what right. what is your persistent anxiety? What what causes you in these last five days to bolt upright in a session that has been largely not entirely but largely peace and quiet? Oh, you know, I I, I Representative Stickland who. We are friends. I, I sometimes worry about <laughs> what he may throw, what nukes he may throw, like he did last is, night. Is there anything I mean, else? I'll is there anything honest. else he or anybody else, frankly, from a procedural standpoint, at this point, can do? Sure. Yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, we've got our last local and con, uh, consent calendar, calendar today, today. Uh, right. and you can talk for ten minutes on each bill, and there's right. ninety plus bills. Uh, so you could do that. And of course, there's no reason for him to be upset at the world after last night, right? right? Oh no, no, of no. course not. Everything's peachy. No, Although right. he does have a red light camera bill, he wants signed by the governor. Well, so, I'm, so, so I, I, I will say, I wonder about that. So he's never passed a bill until this session, is that right? So the red light camera bill, which is Senator Hall's bill on the Senate side, Representative Stickland's bill on this side, has overwhelming support from the public, as from what we can tell. Right, mm -hmm. that's that's the case. And the legislature. In some yeah. ways, that well, yeah, but in some ways, but the, almost more importantly, the public is. I mean, yeah. everyone, sure. Before this, the governor could decide to hold his red light camera bill hostage and say, do not cause a mess. Right. Right? Do not shit the bed here at the end mm -hmm. of the session. If you do, I've got this thing over here. Right? He could do that. That's the power of the governor. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Same and, with us. Yes. And, <laughs> and the fact is, the person who saved the red light camera bill ultimately may prove to have been Dr. Bonin. Right? Right, Dr. Bonin last night, through the work that he did late in the game to re to rescue the mental health consortium bill, may have landed the plane safely to the degree that, if Stickland is mollified, and persuaded not to go crazy today, his red light camera bill could conceivably happen. That's, That's true. Right. right. So we, we we just don't know. Interesting irony. So yes. um, a couple minutes left. What happened during the interim? So last. Uh, interim, we had the School Finance Commission, which really set the table for the work of the next legislature and indeed came in this time, public education reform. School finance reform was identified as the signature issue of this session and indeed, again, five days left, but you've stuck to the script. So what is that issue next time? What is that issue in the next interim? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. I, I, I think I think we never stop the discussion on public education. I think that continues. Well, the reality yeah. is if you put, Representative Krauss, you put $9 billion into public education, part of it to buy down property taxes and part mm -hmm. of it to invest in public schools. First of all, the, the system is still continuing to grow by about 82,000 yeah. kids a year. The population is growing significantly. Um, and you've got to find that money every two years. Yes. Right? Yeah, right. So... The work is not over when you pass this bill. The work yeah. is just beginning. That's right. And right. every and but I think that shows the state's commitment to ensuring right. that the public education system. And to answer your question, Representative Minharz and I are going to see each other a lot during the interim because we're both on redistricting. Yes. And I think redistricting is going to be the issue that we come in all knowing we're going to have to deal with next. So let, let let's come to that in a second. I want to just stay right now with the non redistricting portfolio. It was suggested to me today that one thing that may take up a lot of the air during the interim is the resurrection of a conversation about a sales tax swap to buy property taxes down further. I think that'll be definitely discussed. In the Are you going to like it any more in the interim than you do during the session? No, I'm not going to like it, but we have to have the discussion. You believe yeah. it's <laughs> you, you, you are with those who believe that it's regressive. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Evan, the interesting thing, the most conservative parts of my district, they didn't like it either. Right. Well, that was so. an interesting aspect of this, Representative Krause. You had uh, 
people on Representative Ben-Harris's side of the line ideologically who would say this is regressive, and then you had conservatives who would say, wait a minute, when did the Republican Party of Texas become the party of raising taxes? I don't care that the purpose of this is to buy down property taxes. It begins with us raising taxes. Yeah, well, I, and I do think it is worth a, a, a major discussion because it's been actually a policy for conservatives for a long time to say the consumption tax is much more equitable because then you're getting to choose what you spend your money on and your extra money on instead of being potentially taxed out of your home. So that's been a, a principle in the conservative circles for a long time. You think you might be able to sell it on those grounds? I, I, I think we need to look at how it would, uh, I think we need to have a long discussion about it. I think yeah. during the session coming up so quick, people didn't have that. So all they heard now was, oh, I'm going to have to pay a little bit more in taxes. I don't even know if I'm going to get any property So tax the interim gives you time to talk about it. You have people with household incomes of less than 100000 yes. in your district, don't you? You both do. Yes. Are, are the, I'm one. Right. So, yeah. Well, so your sales tax burden is going to be greater. It, it could be the LBB did come out, I think, with a second round of numbers showing that it actually was uh, a benefit to all income levels. And so I think that's part of the discussion, too. How are those so you levels? Like that. Is it static? Yeah. Is it dynamic? Uh, what's the models? How are you looking at that? You feel so. about the LBB the way you feel about the courts. When they rule in your favor, I think they're great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. When the LBB puts out something I don't agree with, they're terrible. That's um, right. So to redistricting, the, the, I talked to Republicans at the Capitol on, on uh, both the House and the Senate side and in the Senate office. And what I hear is we're going to win a presidential. We're not worried about that. Even if the Democrats put up J.J. Watt and Jose Altuve as their ticket, <laughs> the state's not going to be competitive. <laughs> we're not worried about the presidential. It's Cornyn's race to lose, although it's you know dangerous to say that this far out. But that's the assumption, at least heading in. Cornyn is not Cruz, and this is a slightly different environment. Um, we're not worried about Texas Senate seats, maybe with the exception of Pete Flores. Everything is about the House. Everything is about the Texas House. Democrats are nine net seats away. Now, there are a couple of your Democratic colleagues, Representative Harris, who won races that maybe right. they didn't expect to win, to win. or didn't were going to win, and, you know, and going to protect those guys. They right. could be at risk. But as you know, Representative Krauss, there are more than nine seats that the Democrats look at the results in 2018 and think, we have the road map to get there. We don't think it's going to be easy, but we think we can potentially take back control of the House, win the speakership, heading into redistricting, which would muck up things. Your seat is one of those they think they can win, right? Tarrant County last yeah. time voted for Beto O'Rourke and Justin Nelson, <laughs> who, if he's not already a trivia question, <laughs> is about to become one. You know, Ken Paxton lost yeah. Tarrant County, the, the most conservative large county in America. Your county. Yeah. Are you worried? Oh, I, I think anytime you're on the ballot, and I believe Representative Minhars will uh, back this up, you're always worried. I mean, if you're not worried, then you're not doing it right. And so, absolutely. What are you doing differently this time to persuade the voters of your district that they should not throw a high hard one at you the way they did last time? Yeah, I, I think you just continue to uh, engage with the community. You continue to reach out. You continue to make sure you're answering and being responsive to the needs of the community. So you just get that message out there. And, and I think, uh, you know, we talk about what Trump and Cornyn in the top of the ticket. Uh, I think that's going to dictate more whether you win nine House seats back uh, or if the Democrats can win nine House seats than necessarily even the individual dynamics of each thing. Because you had Matt Rinaldi lose last time. You also had Linda Coop lose last time. Well, Linda and, Coop last time because Dallas County has effectively gone blue. I mean, no disrespect to Morgan Meyer and Angie Button, but I'd be updating my LinkedIn's at this point. Well, I mean, if I'm but, a Republican in Dallas County. But Morgan Meyer, I, I believe, won that district by 21 points two years before that. And so that was a right. huge... So you, in, think in it was, you think it was specific to that cycle? I think it was a perfect right. storm of everything happening. Is Cornyn an asset to you on the ticket next time? I, I, I think he does a great job of uh, 
of making sure Texans know that he represents them. I, I don't think so he's he as is much an of a light- having him at the top of the ticket is a good thing. Yeah, he's not as much of a lightning rod as Cruz is. Is the president an asset for you at the top of the ticket? Well, I, I think we'll have to see how the Democratic primary plays out. If it's brutal and uh, they decide on somebody that that's very uh, there's a distaste maybe for in Texas even more than right. a if general the Democrat is Elizabeth would be. Warren and Michael Avenatti, you yeah. feel better about the presidential affecting your race. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, is Trump an asset for you? Look, I, I I've always said this: Texas is a different animal, um, and and so. It, it can be to an extent, but I agree with Representative Krauss. We got to see who the Democratic presidential nominee is. We've got to see who the the Senate, the Texas Senate nominee is. That's all going to play a part. You know, when Beto O'Rourke ran, you know, he was underestimated. He did something incredible where he actually went around the state, went into parts of Texas that Democrats never went into. Right. I really believe he's the reason why we won so many seats, as much as maybe people mm-hmm. don't want to agree, but I, I sincerely believe that. So we've Honestly, got to keep in, up the in momentum. May of the year before mm-hmm. the election, when he yeah. ran against Cruz, we probably had said the same thing. It's mm-hmm. Cruz's race to lose. We right. didn't know then, and presumably we don't know. I for, always knew he was a hard worker. Right. He, he's, he was my parents' congressman, and I saw how he took out Silvestre Reyes back in the day. Would you have imagined Representative Harris a year ago that we'd be sitting here talking about the possibility of Democrats taking back control of the House? I wouldn't have. No. A year ago. No. You think you have a chance? Oh, we always have a chance. We, right. we just got to be, we gotta be uh, diligent about it and smart about it. You're running again. Yes. For sure. You're running again. Yes, sir. If you guys come back, you'll get along again. Absolutely. Yes. Despite <laughs> what happens. Even if we don't come back, we'll always get along. If there's, like, get if yeah. there's a Carl's Jr. bill or something else or whatever the next thing is, you guys will... Well, I, I mean, even on... When I we might vote for SB22 last week, we were yeah. discussing over over by the by her desk okay yeah. what, what is your amendment trying to do what, so I mean even in that contentious fight there's still healthy dialogue taking place with all right. that and I believe Representative Minhars and I will, will never see something let the record show that after 45 minutes talking about this you're still smiling that's exactly <laughs> right okay. thank you both very much thank, thank you, you. You've been listening to Point of Order, a proud member of the Texas Tribune's family of podcasts. Thanks to our guests, State Representatives Matt Krause and Ina Minharas, and thanks to the sponsors of this episode, the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute, Lone Star College, and the Texas State Technical College. Be sure to check out the Tribune's deep coverage of the 86th legislative session at texastribune.org. And if you like what you see there or hear here, Tell your friends about us. And speaking of what you hear here, we'd love to know how you discovered Point of Order and what you think of our first podcast season. Go to texastribune.org slash pointoforder. That's texastribune.org slash pointoforder to complete a very short survey. We really value your opinion. Until next time, I'm Evan Smith.